Hi, and welcome back to I Haven't Heard That Name in Years, or welcome to if you are a friend of the person that I'm interviewing and you're just listening to this out of context with the rest of the episodes, which I don't care about because that means you have a good taste in friends. I have lovely friends. Everybody I interview on this podcast is high quality. So if someone's just listening for the guest, that means they're a good person. Hi, you're a good person. Or you're stalking one of us, and in which case, please stop. But enough about my paranoid fantasies. Welcome back to my memoir. Um, we're just going to get right into the episode. Not much to say other than still pretty happy to be alive after some insane medical uh, bullshit that who knows when that episode will be. Probably months from now. I don't know if I'll just interview myself and uh, <laughs> just like cut it on two cameras. It's just me saying things and the other me just like sitting there screaming. But you know, we could do that or we could just keep doing rambling intros like this. But yep. Uh, this is the interview with Matthew Bartolome, uh, my college classmate, because we have finally made it to college, Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Westchester, Pennsylvania being known for its two primary exports, Bam Margera and the Bloodhound Gang. Interesting place to go to college. Uh, and this is the first interview from somebody from that little era of my life. Hello, I love you. And here comes the music. Hello, friends enemies parasocial relationships hopefully not stalkers uh we're back to i haven't heard that name in years my silly memoir podcast side project if you've been listening up to this point you're very invested in my life good job or bad job i don't know make sure you touch grass uh but i am super excited to at this point have made it to college. As I as I have said in previous episodes, we're just going uh, vague chronological order through various phases of my life. And we have finally made it to that good old uh, undergraduate phase. Uh, and I have brought on one of my colleagues from my alma mater. This sounds so much more professional than it should be, but hey, uh, he's here. This is Matthew Bartolome. How are you? Hello! I am surviving, Hello. which is about the best any of us can do right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we just had the uh, the cool uh, campfire. Uh, did, was Is that... I, I don't know. I don't even know where you are now. Where are you living? Like, I'm still more or less Westchester. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good place. I mean, I uh, have no actual reason to be over there right now but I, I frequently tell people Westchester Pennsylvania I have no real complaints it's a very mid to it's like it's it's, it's a solid six uh, yeah. of a <laughs> it's in the middle of everything that's the catch yeah New York Philly, yeah. Baltimore it's all right here and it's yeah. more or less pretty Usually. Yeah, it is. It is pretty. They've got decent food. Um, the people there definitely don't suck that much. Like you know, it's a college town, but it's it's not super annoying. I mean, most people are going to state school, you know, because it is a state school. But like most people, you know, if you're on, uh, if you're like a student at a state school, you're not pretty like up your own ass most of the time. And you know, there's there, there's even the frats weren't that annoying. They they were kind of chill with me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what was your yeah. I don't think Kerwood was the only, like, frat guy I knew, but never mm -hmm. had any sort of direct issues. Yeah, absolutely. I, honestly, one of the, the funniest things that happened while I was there is that I, like, I was very sporadic with stand-up in college, uh, but I, uh, it, they had a, a, 
the Panhellenic Council, you know, the overarching board of the Greeks uh, at Westchester had a talent show and I saw the signups for it and they're like, anybody can sign up, but obviously they mostly meant people in fraternities and sororities can <laughs> sign up, but I signed well, up for this you. talent show. <laughs> yeah, I know. I signed up for this talent show and I'm doing like weird jokes about like Pan's Labyrinth and shit. Cause this is what I'm mostly still just doing nerdcore comedy. And uh, I won the entire <laughs> talent show. <laughs> I'm really glad that, like, nobody was weird about it. Like, I thought that that was going to be, like, uh, uh, well, man, who was this chick? But then oh. I started getting, like, semi-catcalled about it near, like, the frat, like, row of houses where they're, like, at one point, like, they're just like, yo, you're that funny chick. Like, nobody ever said comedian or anything intelligible. They're like, oh, you're that person that's funny. And I'm like, yeah. That's, that's true. And then the well, best we can ask by, f yeah, absolutely. That's all you can ask for. And then the best uh, moment, 100% being, hey, like somebody like drunk yelled at me, yo, you should make a profile because I'd read it. And I, I've been, <laughs> <laughs> I've been what, like trying what to sell? parse. Yeah, I've been trying to parse out what that phrase is supposed to be in my head for years, uh, years and years. Uh, and I'm just like, did he mean social media profile or like article? I mean, I'm sure he meant social media profile, but why did he think I didn't have one? Right. Um, and <laughs> Especially at that point? <laughs> yeah, it was, I'm going to say like 2009. Um Yo, so here's so here's a gluing together of memories. All right, so mm. I very vaguely remember meeting you, um, and I don't like know the. It was y y Shireen was there, and it was early. If I it, unless I'm messing this up completely, it was like early. It was like freshman first semester, and it was like in that weird one of those weird couch areas over the like dining hall that I constantly have nightmares about for some reason. I don't know why the communal dining hall is like my college nightmare nexus, but that's like where they all are. Like every time I think I skipped a class for a semester, I'm like sitting in that dining hall. Do you remember meeting me or did did we, you, I just like manifest in your memory as part of like the LGBT student organization? Little like, column A, little column B. My uh -huh. first memory of you is meeting you at gay club with and I don't know how to delicately put this, but someone who I'm pretty sure his name has changed since, and I don't want to dead name. Um, but you had a stuffed peanicorn? Was it, uh, oh, I did have a stuffed peanicorn. That was uh, this my is first a... memory. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And then uh, I think, is the is the person you're referencing, is this uh, uh, Stefan and he, him? I believe so, yes. Okay, yes, Stefan, it would be, because uh, that was a, the freaking frack friendship for a second there. So, um, yeah, that Stefan uh, Hoymes, uh, shout out. Hello. Howdy. My, bu my buddy. And, uh, yeah, I the Pinacorn, now that's some early aughts nostalgia that I'm into. So right. the Pinacorn is a mythical creature created by uh, Flash Animation gurus and um, meme great-granddaddies, Newgrounds.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the originators boy. of all your base and so many other uh things that it's just, back when the internet was for nerds there was a there was a time there was a bizarre little wholesome-esque time wholesome-esque only because we still had the sick early aughts homophobia and misogyny mm. in the internet like it's still there but it was sort of different then I don't know. It, I, it, it was weird. It's like, uh, I, I don't even know how to distinguish like into, like bigotry on the internet then versus now. But I think it's just because it was like a smaller pool of nerds that it was like a very different. I, I don't know if you could speak to that. But anyway, uh, the pinicorn is a, a pretty much what it sounds like. It is a unicorn with a dick for a horn. And it also has a very small dick on the bottom, um, which is, you know, most stuffed unicorns don't have the other the real dick but hey you know who who's to say we're not around with the unicorns maybe they got dicks um but they they're not supposed to have dicks for horns and that is um biologically pretty impractical uh, unless they were gonna literally mind fuck a horse i don't know um <laughs> boy this escalated to a place didn't it <laughs> oh it's my um it's my, it's my life story and we need to leave in every essential detail especially this <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, Newgrounds.com, uh, a cool flash animation site uh, that uh, for whom uh, one of their staff members dated me. Uh, for whom? I'm not sure what that grammar was, uh, but... <laughs> are they still around? Uh, they are. Um, I believe it's a little bit more of a flash animation community gaming thing, and I know that uh, Behemoth is their offshoot or, you know, co-company that has uh, all the video game properties, like the Castle Crashers and Alien oh. Hominid and uh, others... I have lost track of since I stopped dating a programmer at Newgrounds, um, but uh, lovely that. human. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, yeah, Newgrounds. It's weird. It, it's really weird thinking about how big a sway flash animation had in my life, and then like when I talk to people that weren't nerds in that area, they don't even know what I'm talking about. Like oh. nobody, like people, like Homestar Runner was a very big deal with a smaller group of people. And I mean, everybody else. And that was about remember. it, and that's about as far as I ever wanted to go. Uh, what, what, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I knew of it, but never, like, engaged with it directly. More just kind of, like, cultural osmosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's not necessary, honestly. Like, it was, it, it's <laughs> a lot of it, like, watching it back, I'm just like, this is incredibly dumb, but I'm glad that I was having a good time. Um, but anyway, speaking of incredibly dumb, but uh, I'm glad we were having a good time. Uh, oh, we, in addition to college nonsense, we also went to Nocturne together, which we will address in a future episode interview I've already done, but please explain Nocturne. <laughs> oh god, I... <sighs> little baby game me, finding a spot where we could actually like go during college and have like burn off steam. What a place though. Any combination of human being you could think of was there. There was always someone there who for many reasons made you feel better about yourself. And I mean that both as a compliment to it and as an insult. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, but like for the bare bones of what it is, uh, yeah, Noc Nocturne was a goth club night that was held for, I think like over a solid 10 years. I think it started in the actual 90s uh, and it had uh, all ages area. Um, so meaning 16 to 20 on the upstairs and then 21 to question marks and i mean question marks because yeah. goths age very slowly <laughs> we don't go out in the sun uh, <laughs> and we don't go out in the sun and like if you dress like spooky eyeliner person people still clock your age younger it's interesting um like they don't <laughs> it hides the crow's feet better it really does i think i've been um like 26 for like 10 years now it's it's pretty lit I... <laughs> As superpowers go, not the worst. Yeah, yeah, it's not the worst superpower. Um, but they had... Uh, you know what, rather than, like, discuss, I definitely got into this in the later episode, but, like, when did, uh, when did we start going, and, like, what, like, describe your... You always had cool outfits for Doctor. Like, do you remember when we started going, or...? I... Probably somewhere around 2008, I think, was the first time I ever went. I think you oh, had okay. gone a couple, you had been there prior to me, mm -hmm. but I definitely, I had tagged along eventually between either, like you said earlier, you or Shireen. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't like super early college for me, but I think it was mostly once you guys were all living together later on. Right, yeah, because at one point, um, oh god, the Westchester dorm situation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. uh, West, <laughs> uh, so the dorms that uh, the dorms that Westchester had. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, just like the, the student housing situation, uh, there's, you had two options. You had like big project like blocks of, of like big, like taller buildings that, you know, you shoved in two to a room <laughs> unless you were super lucky or had some kind of special accommodation where you had your own thing or if your roommate flunked out, uh, which <laughs> happened to me. Um, my, my roommate, uh, I think 
got like a 2.2 and flunked out of the the forensics department my first roommate <laughs> so i got a, a little bit of time to myself for a second there but uh then i then i had a new one um but then they also had these dorms that were like imitations of living in a real house kind of on like called like the south campus houses yep. and the south campus houses were weird they were like separated from the main campus by like at least a mile and i don't know if that road even had like a sidewalk or anything like you had to take a shuttle bus to campus and they were sort of better kind of i mean they just like they resembled apartments and you could get them like if you were older or whatever but they also were just like so removed for everything that it was like wildly inconvenient and like shit would break um did, did you ever live on south campus or i was a commuter student the whole way through so I got oh, to deal with right. that because that's where commuter parking was. Oh, they exiled the commuters to South Campus. Like you had to take the like you had to park there and take the shuttle. Unless you were real lucky to get a spot behind either Sykes or the music building once it was done. Oh damn! Oh yeah. So random thing about Westchester music building shaped like a piano, and I think more schools should adopt the system of shaping the buildings for the departments like something representing the department. Um, that's <laughs> too much like... fun and not allowed. Also, yeah. I never notice it looking like a piano, even to this day. <laughs> I don't know. What um, the... me. Yeah, the only re I you know why I know this uh, is because I was really loopy and clued in during the initial student tour uh, because at the time I was I had just gotten my wisdom teeth done when I toured the campus like as a high school student and I was on perks and Good my. Time. Yeah, so I was just so impressed with everything they said, and I thought Westchester was, like, the best school ever. Like, I, I love Westchester. I don't have any problems with it, but enrolling there was very literally a pill decision. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> and, and then there's, like, this famous story from, like, when I was doing that, like, when I was doing that tour where my like they said something like they pointed to the health center and they were just like yeah so this is the health center where the doctors can see you and then i looked at mom i was like the doctors can see me she's like god like right now i'm like oh uh <laughs> like i was like paranoid i was like wait the doctors can see yeah i mean mom tells the story like i actually believe that i think i was joking um like i think that that was still comedy timing coming through but it was still like it was like they could see me and it was like all pilled out and then you know i kept like bumping things and making small noises and scaring myself and shit the entire uh the entire college tour um but boy did i pay attention to the, <laughs> the whole thing about the music school <laughs> the piano i feel like we got away from doctor do you do you remember any like specific nocturne stories or it's less stories and more just like people and not even people i knew in any way but i remember there was always this older woman with long like down past her butt dreads who was there every week just absolutely rocking out there was always just this gaggle of twinks Oh, there was the guy I blinded. Not literally. Oh, shit. Not literally. Is that... <laughs> um, Not literally? You know how oh everyone had those, like, either you had glow sticks or you had those weird little, like, raver lights? Yeah, that's how I always remembered you at Nocturne, is you had the cool little flashlights on your fingers. Yep, those. Exactly those. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just this guy who, like, was trying to get a reaction out of me, and I was just stone-faced the whole way. And then he, like, got right up in my space, so I just flicked the light on right in his eye. And he just kind of dropped mm -hmm. out of my sight. Mm -hmm. I was like, every so often this is fun. <laughs> no, I just, even to this day, I miss the 80s room there. Right. Yeah. So the 80s room wasn't so much of a room as it was an outdoor area full of smoke. Um, but boy, could you have some conversations. It had some serious, like, Star Wars bar energy in there. You yeah. Know? That's like... actually an incredible way to put it. Like, the best people watching you'll ever find. Yeah, it's, you know, and then it's also just, like, the best just drama floating around, too, because, you know, this is the cigarette area, because it's, the, yeah, it's the 80s area, so it's, you know, the people that are a little bit, like, more nostalgic, but it's also the cigarette area, so all of the introverts in the goth club, which is most of them on a regular day, 
<laughs> are going outside to take a smoke and like separate from the crowd a little bit but that's all of them at once um <laughs> you got all your lone wolves in this in, in the same space outside in that that weird little diseased hot tub i was just gonna um, mention because oh god what a terrifying yeah. spot that was oh yeah did did you ever interact with that hot tub at all or no always always tempted like on some like vague level because yeah but no because yeah the only time oh yeah no 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 good came out of that at all yeah the only time i ever interacted with that hot tub was uh at the bdsm events we had this like floating bondage bubble thing um and that was not actually touching i mean it was in the water but you physically didn't touch the water uh you cl climbed into this clear plastic bubble and they zipped you in and then um my my former sex shop boss uh who hopefully i will interview for this podcast at some point uh inflated it with a leaf blower and then uh some dominatrix type human would spin you around in it because it would float in the hot tub um but i've never actually physically been in the hot tub and i frequently saw it full of cigarette butts and i i wonder about club shampoo like because I, I know we got there kind of late like i know that it was if not in the 90s it was like 2001 when shampoo and nocturne actually started so okay. i uh wonder if the hot tub was ever good and I have no idea what happened, uh, like, there's, you know, I went to goth nights at Shampoo, but I have no idea what was happening the rest of the nights. So maybe there were other nights where people used the hot tub, but, uh... I always jury's out. that, yeah. Jury's out if they ever lived to tell the tale. Maybe they did use the hot tub and we never saw them again. Maybe there was a portal. I don't know. <laughs> there's a reason. Oh, boy. Oi. Were you in an anime club with me? Very sporadically very like sporadic once in a very blue moon either you or shireen would get me to come along and it wasn't it was just a timing thing because i think it usually overlapped with lgbt club or at least right. at one point i think it did at one point because i dipped out because i wasn't in it the entire time i was definitely in it my freshman year when i was just like i'm a weeb and i need to find friends so it was necessary for me to immediately <laughs> jump in and i'm positive that's how i met shireen that had to be because she was like yeah sad some kind of because i know that she she was a great ahead of us right no she was our year it oh she was our year i feel like i remember her being like in the like officer of anime club the entire time i was there but maybe that was just because uh she was just such a like a presence in anime club and like knew more about anime than anybody else i met at westchester i don't know um but i, I know what you I mean though because i always kind of got the vibe that she was a year ahead as well yeah um well. i don't <laughs> yeah no i get. i guess not i guess not um but yeah i remember um the anime club is awesome at westchester because the people that were running it at least when it started i because i i don't know at, like after a point i started dipping in and out but the people that were running it were very much like film snobs they weren't just like normal anime nerds they were like we watch the Miyazaki films, we have things on VHS from Japan, we do this, that, the other thing, and, and like, when they sat the freshmen down for the first meeting of the anime club, they were very like, okay, it's very cute, like, they didn't say this, they said this with their actions and their tone of voice, it's like, it's very cute that you guys like your Naruto's, um, but we're gonna watch some art now, and <laughs> they... And they, like, at the beginning, they, like, wrote, like, 50 animes on the board. Like, different people were suggesting things. And it was, like, this heated voting process where, like, they're putting different tally marks next to things. And people are looking series up on their phones. You go through each individual one. Like, okay, bartender, who put that up there? What even is that? And all of us would have to sit there and be like, okay, so it's a 13-episode OVA, this, that, the other thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, like... Then we would have, I think it was like every semester they had a series they'd watch one of every time. And then there was like, like you'd watch a 20 minute episode of something and then you'd watch either a movie or like a longer episode of something. And then they had like special screenings of like the really long ass movies. But 
as a result of that, I saw a lot of anime that I would never have seen because it wouldn't have aired on, like, Toonami or anything like that. Right. Uh, and it, this is pre-streaming, too, really. I mean, it's a, or streaming had just started. It's, like, 2007 at this point. So yeah, there are we were though, probably pre. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty early. I mean, like most of the, like, my genesis of the anime, I've already like d- discussed on this podcast how like a friend, me and my friend found me when I was thirteen. Like my uh, like Roni to my Michelle in high school found me pretty early and was just like, you need to watch subtitled anime. I have all of these rips from LimeWire. Like I kind oh. of dodged the watching every anime in English bullet like pretty quickly. Um, and I was also delighted to get to Westchester's anime club and boy, they, they were subtitle purists. Holy shit. I was like, yay, good. They just, they, they almost were like, and you could see like incoming freshmen being like, what? And they're, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry, you think we're going to watch this in English, you, you fucking pedestrian? Get on board or get out. <laughs> exactly. And they watch, like, um, weird stuff, but not, not like, negatively, but just, like, like you said earlier, stuff you never would have watched on your own. Absolutely. That, that was what was cool about it, but you could tell it was also because, like, in the voting process, it's like you had to be there for the voting pro- It's like the NBA draft. <laughs> like, but weebs. But fucking weebs. <laughs> but, you know, you had to, like, if you sat there during the voting process that took, like, a couple of hours, it was also kind of a dick-measuring contest of, like, can I name a really obscure anime that nobody's heard of right. and, like, throw it on the board just for the sake of throwing it on the board? Um, and in that, also in that context, I learned what a lot of anime were because we sat there trying to vote on them. And of course, it's also very funny because, you know, people throw something. I don't think Food Wars came out uh, came out yet, but as an example, they, like someone would just as a gimmick throw Food Wars on the board and we'd all be like, what's that? And they'd be like, oh, well, it's a it's a cooking show competition anime, but everybody's horny and they come every time they try the food. Uh, and so it was I'm also sorry, hilarious. <laughs> Oh, you, you do you know about okay? Food I knew Wars, the first I, half of that. I didn't know the second. Oh yeah, no, Food Wars, um, brilliant anime that I did not see until the pandemic happened. <laughs> um, because I had like my friend recommend it to me during the uh, the over initial overture of the pandemic, which I I refer to everything um start of the pandemic to vaccination as the cowboy times. Um, so. <laughs> During the cowboy times, I was uh, showing Food Wars, and I'm pretty sure it was like that. It's it had to be post 2011, otherwise I would have heard of it. But yeah, that that it's a cooking competition anime, but it is so unnecessarily overloaded with fan service, um, and it doesn't almost doesn't make sense that it's there. Uh, and it, like the workups, you know, it's like when they do the food critiques, like she'll bite, like bite into a flan or something. And then they'll, the character will like make horny face, nosebleed, the whole, the whole nine yard skirt flying up. Like, oh my God, I can't control myself. <laughs> oh the, the, the flaky butteriness of the, of the cream just melts across. It's like a thousand angels touching every part of my body. <laughs> but in Japanese, of course um but i <laughs> thank you for that polite subtitle oh yeah no i mean that's <laughs> but, but that but it you know imagine you know that description and everyone laughing their ass off but for like 50 animes in a row i mean some of them were scary but you know like wow. basic anime premise log lines are usually pretty fucking weird <laughs> and nerds all got strong uh you know if you've ever been in a youtube loop uh at a <laughs> like at somebody's house with like five nerds everyone's got strong opinions about what sh- what to watch next so it was an event um <laughs> the they picking the anime for this semester was an event but it was cool i did get to see so much shit you never i that that was how i watched every satoshi khan thing the, the paranoia agent perfect blue paprika all that shit was because of that anime club. I, I never would have seen it otherwise. Like, do, do you remember? Do you remember anything you watched there? Or? The only thing, and the only reason I remember that this is where I learned it is because you brought that brought the club up in the first place. Was mm-hmm. Ergo Proxy, which I what's that? I oh boy, I don't remember anything about it other than it being absolutely twistedly bizarre. 
not having a clue what's going on, but being deeply invested. I think it was very much like a haves and have nots sort of situation where like the upper crust live in like not a surface world, but like a physically higher or physically higher or yeah, class. Whereas the destitute and such live down on the streets underneath everything. But there was like weird clone or fabricated person nonsense going on, like evil science gone wrong. Yeah, could not tell you I, anything else beyond that and it was just absolutely twisted but deeply interesting so like the poor people lived in a physical low like or like i'm trying to like figure out if you're talking about like the physical layout of the town like that the, the rich people live up in the sky the poor people live like exactly. to the ground okay got it yeah that's also metropolis i'm pretty sure the silent yeah. film um yeah I, why isn't it ever the other way around? Um, I, I mean, it will be, it will be in the, uh, the future when all of the air has gone bad, all of the rich people will live underground. Um, so maybe I shouldn't tempt fate by invoking that. Yeah. Or in the water. That's true. We got, we all got to get us some boating licenses, bro. Um, I wish, I wish boats weren't such a, like, uh, I mean... I need a collapsible kayak. That's that's my prepper in, internally talking, but we all we all need collapsible kayaks because regular boats are just a great way to lose money forever. Things I didn't know um, I needed, but now I absolutely need. Oh yeah, collapsible kayak. I want a fucking collapsible kayak. I'm about to move to the Rockaway Beach area of New York Ooh. and I am going to get me a fucking collapsible kayak um for when the uh extremely inevitable flooding comes in um because that area is definitely in a floodplain but the, I, I am at a, a very feral point of my adult life where most of my possessions can fit into a moving van uh with the exception of like one bed that's in storage like every time people move me i somehow have less stuff so i'm just kind of like i know what to save in a fire and it's really i really won't lose that much it's like kind of upsetting how little money i would lose if all of my things were destroyed <laughs> i mean materialism it's its own sin so hey think of it that way yeah i am the the i am not sinful if you specifically look at how much stuff i have uh <laughs> and nowhere else and not even what the soup nope. is no other qualifiers none whatsoever oh my god um so one thing i do want to bring up is the concept of project lemonade um is something that i've told people about that i i don't see as much in the wild in a lot of like lgbt activist uh, arenas um but yeah do, do you want to talk can you talk a little bit about like Project Lemonade and the whole uh, repent America conceit, like what was, oh, what was God, going on. Oh, that's what it was. That. I was like, yeah. why do I know what this is, but can't place it? Yeah, I was because thinking... it's repent America. Like this, this is this is the shit we got to talk about because we got to talk about what queer activism looked like 2007 to 2011. Oh, because right. it's a completely different fucking landscape. But it's like it's it's interesting that th that kind of thing went on then. But I. I don't, I don't know if I've seen a similar conceit to Project Lemonade now, but it's, like, brilliant. But, yeah, like, could you go into that a little bit? Like, Remind me of the premise behind Project Lemonade. It was a, a counter-protest to them specifically, right? Oh, yeah. No, the whole thing of Project Lemonade was that it, like, the longer that they stayed on campus, the right. more money they are. They had, like, we had sponsors for right. the bigots. Right coming on campus yeah it was this like evangelical group repent america um that would come on campus with the big god hates fags and anti-abortion signs and fake pictures of fetuses and all that good stuff everyone's famous and they'd come on everyone yeah absolutely yeah so they they would uh come on campus um with their big signs and everything and then we would have people who donated money for every hour they were there um like like sponsored them and then that money would go to queer organizations so it put them in a crazy situation where like the longer they stayed there the more money that was being raised for queer activist groups um right and was... making lemon lemonade out of lemons yeah right. yeah 
yes. that's what the whole thing was like do you like do, do you so do, you went to the repent america, repent america protests right most of them if not all yeah it was always it was always such an event because we had like this game plan ready, ready to go if and when they showed up because every it was usually in the fall they would come around right and then once in a while in the spring yeah, and it was like a strike force thing. Like, we couldn't, you know, tell them not to come. It wasn't legal. You know, they're within right. their rights. Uh, but they they did not warn us. Like, we we would just kind of keep our eye on the quad. Uh, it was a small enough school, so we had just the, the one quad. Um, but we'd, uh, we'd keep an eye on that. And then when they showed up, we had a whole, like, fucking fire drill, drop everything, yep. grab all of the gay signs. We're going to go yell at these people and make a bunch of money. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, and we had these shirts that said gay, fine by me, um, in a whole million different colors. Uh, and we would just make money for the organization, like hand over fist for every hour they were there. Um, and I'm like, why hasn't this been adopted more i'm sure it has been um but like yeah do you, like do you remember anything from those protests or like i know a lot of crazy shit went down always every year and just mm -hmm. like this is a weird one i remember locking eyes with one of the kids and just being mm -hmm. so unsettled by like the complete just lack of soul in a person and mm -hmm. i'm not a hyper metaphysical person but i was just like there's something wrong there but just the signs were always horrific. They were always just constantly shouting abuse at people over anything and everything. Because their whole their whole intention, their whole reason for being was they want to get to hit them. They want to get to violate their quote-unquote rights on whatever basis, either by silencing them, covering them up, physical altercation, so that they could sue the asses off of everyone involved. Um, so they would pick on just anybody who went through for any little thing they could come up with. Any woman who walked by was, insert whatever horrible thing you could say about a woman that's sexist or implies that she's had an abortion because she's at college. Yeah, and they, it's it's crazy because there were definitely like, there were Catholic people and Republicans at Westchester. There were assholes at Westchester. It's like, I don't even know why you would just immediately sit like, if you had a sign and you were protesting them, that was one thing. Um, but yeah, it just occurred to me that it was kind of because in my, in my that always solidified itself in my head because of pro, uh, because of Project Lemonade as like an anti LGBT protest. But I it, it, but then when I like conjured up the memory of those signs, I'm like, oh, okay, so they were like a multi purpose. They were a God hates fags and an anti abortion outfit. So they were just they were their whole business model was trying to piss someone off so they could sue them. Um, so they needed to be like equal opportunity hateful. Um, but yeah, I, I remember a couple things for Project. Uh, one, which I, I still laugh about, is that there's one person who showed up with a super tall, uh, like this is one of the counter protesters had like a like a super tall wooden stick and like an easel type thing and a black sheet and he just kept standing in front of the Repent America signs uh, covering them up and they right. kept trying to turn and he'd stand in front of them again. They're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, and the kid looks at him and goes. Listen, man, I'm just standing. I'm just trying to stand around with my nice black sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely remember that guy. Always a couple yeah. of like very choice signs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, there is, uh, and of course, plenty of people sees that as an opportunity to make out in front of them. Um, they oh, yeah. like, yeah, queer students love making out and at the Repent America protest. The Repent America protest also a great place to cruise. <laughs> Not being a lie, I might have maybe tried. Failed miserably, yeah. but that's not the point. Yeah, I was like, you know, one one goofy thing about me is that it for for somebody who had lesbian ants growing up, it took me goddamn forever to come out as bisexual. I wouldn't admit it to myself because I also just didn't have as much of a concept for bisexuality. Like, I think that I 
thought that you were gay or straight and I really liked guys like a lot so it didn't really resonate I'm like uh, maybe I'm attracted to girls but I, I don't know uh, it doesn't seem to matter because I'm so boy obsessed so <laughs> it's not that big a deal never mind that ever since I was like a, a 12 year old I was just re-watching the Janet Jackson love would never do without you video like over and over again wow. staring at her pants you know I, I Jan Every... Janet Jackson was easy <laughs> Every kid on the universe grew up on her for one reason. Uh, yep, yep. No, Jan Janet Jackson was a hundred percent my queer awakening, even if I didn't say a damn thing. I think this the the funniest thing that happened with that is originally I entered the club like I'm an ally, my aunts are gay. <laughs> um, you know, not admitting a damn thing about myself. Also, previous I had actually taken a a woman to her prom um in high school even though i was like but i'm i'm straight but i'm taking a woman to her prom because nobody she she couldn't find a woman to take her and i think it'd be cool and i'm gonna wear a suit and everything but i'm not i'm not queer just uh, i'm not gay yeah no i'm not gay um <laughs> lord knows uh, oh and then of course when i came out to my parents um <laughs> there i was huh. like hey so it was so not dramatic i was like in the back seat of the car i was like hey so um you guys probably already know this, but I like <laughs> I'm bisexual and they're just like, yeah, you told us you came home once and you were like crying about a girl or something. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I don't remember doing that. So um, anticlimactic. This was already going to be anticlimactic, but yeah. okay. <laughs> it was even less than I expected. <laughs> Oh my god, I I already was just, like, prepared to hear, like, meh, and then it was an even further, like, <laughs> we've already been over this. Like, <laughs> um, but the, uh, you know what cracks me up, though, is because I came in as an ally, uh, they had, you know, they had those, like, awards for, like, the LGBT awards at the end of the year for students, and I won, like, a scholarship for allies, and then the next year I came out, so I feel like I scammed them. Like, <laughs> I remember that, and I remember you're like, not crisis about it, but just like you're like, well, this is a weird position to be in. Yeah, I that's funny that you remember that. I still have, um, I think I still have the little plaque thing. Um, mm -hmm. I had, I every time I move. I get rid of more trophies because they're useless. I have so many dumb uh, fucking trophies that I don't care about, like, as I was a dweeb all the way through high school and through a significant portion of college until I met my good friend Weed that taught me how to sit down and relax. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. That That is the only reason. To this day... Yeah, no, to this day, um, one of the most important people in my life, uh, in college, ended up being uh, the, the line cook at the diner um, that taught me how to smoke weed, and I started finally sleeping without nightmares and not feeling like that every second I was awake I needed to be occupied doing something for my future. Weed is the reason that I sit down and relax, otherwise I'm like such a type A monster. I, you know, on one hand I'm like I don't know how I got through high school without it, on the other hand I'm just like I don't think I would have focused on high school if I had it. I, I might have relaxed more. I might have, like, not worked myself to death doing extracurriculars until, like, 7 o'clock every night. But I'm also like, eh, I, I don't know if I would have paid attention 7 a.m. through 3 p.m. either. This is the ungodly public school hours they used to, they probably still do. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, fully um, relatable. That's, uh, I'm new to it, but it's definitely been nothing but uphill since smoking. Weirdly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly, if it's the thing that works, you know, any chemical or medicine, it doesn't matter. Food you eat, things you breathe, things that you inhale that's prescribed, that are prescribed or not prescribed oh. is going to work different for different people. So, yeah, there's some people that weed is like a, you're going to be anxious and you're going to gain a million pounds because you eat too much and you're going to be paranoid and or you'll have like no motivation nothing's getting done and then for some of us we just like finally sleep without like being bombarded by ptsd memories <laughs> and like have like a functioning digestive system and like that one's still a little I get it. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I have to drug the motivation out of myself. Otherwise, I always think I'm not far enough out ahead in life, you know. Uh, it's just, like, weed is the difference between me going, like, I'm finished the screenplay and, like, I'm going to sit down and watch wrestling with my friends because life is short and the infrastructure of this country is uh, falling apart like wet cake, you know. Um, <laughs> Vivid, but ew. <laughs> I wish I knew where I heard that first. Falling apart like wet cake. I I don't know where I heard that first. And now I need to look up the origin of that phrase. That's something that just, yeah, it's accurate. It feels like something that definitely either came from, like, your parents in a random story or one of, like, the goth moms at Nocturne. It could have been one of the goth moms at Nocturne. That's the other thing about Nocturne is that we were there long enough that there was, like, multi-generational goths. Uh <laughs> hanging out in this space the over 21 area was kind of bizarre honestly yeah um, and like weirdly boring because yeah, it was weirdly boring down because, like, the big stompy, like, mosh area with the boxes that you stand up on and dance mm -hmm. on is, like, all upstairs. And then downstairs was, like, you couldn't be there unless you were over 21, but it was, totally wasn't where the party was at, even if you were over 21. Um, it was always, like, the slower, you know, it was kind of uh, Combi Christ upstairs, uh, it, tricky downstairs. Does that make sense? <laughs> What? I don't yeah. know. It's like yeah. it had a dance floor, but nobody was ever on it. Yeah, yeah. No, it had a little dance floor. Sometimes it would be like four or five people that were like kind of like that fucked up and showed up by themselves in their mid thirties, like disassociating and swaying. What? Um, but it was always the slower goth music that was downstairs. It was like it, they they really had it set up like you know like one of those nightclubs in like Blade Trinity, like Blade yep. Trinity or something, or you're like upstairs. It's crazy running around like you know yelling and like pushing each other and like partying and then downstairs is like the back room that you go to where they have like some kind of nefarious plot and a person sitting in the corner and like slower goth music and again you know, that's where people would bite each other and make out or whatever i don't know um definitely had like they had like weird i don't want to say velvet curtains but velvet curtains on the walls down there didn't they they did it was referred to as the velvet underground that's, um that's they're from well not yep yeah but still yeah, I mean, they obviously they took that from another thing, but yeah, they called it the Velvet Underground. Uh, I can't believe I was just, you know, touching those. Oh, God. Fucking, I, I, oh, I can't no. believe I touched anything in that club. Maybe that's why um, I I never had any breathing symptoms during COVID. <laughs> I, uh, I... You did your time already. Yeah, I don't know. My my lungs did not react to COVID uh, at all, and I think it's because I led a disgusting youth, but that's fine. Um, whatever builds you up. <laughs> yeah, whatever gets that immunity. Like, I, I, and I know that's true because, like, when COVID first started and that meme was going around of, like, a, like a punk bathroom in a bar, like, if you hung out in places like this, you're going to be fine during COVID, and people just kept sending it to me. <laughs> it was, like, one of those big instances of, like, yo, stop sending me this shit. Like, <laughs> I get it. You made your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so were you in, uh, for the LGBT association, were you in the homecoming parade? Yep, I was in the year we were robbed, and I was in it the year we won. Yeah, the year we were robbed might have been my fault. Uh, yeah. Was it? Yeah, bonus points. I hope it was just bonus points, uh, but yeah, I do feel like a the year we were robbed. Uh, like a homecoming parade had a it, very budget Macy's Thanksgiving parade, but all of the uh, like incredibly like d, d budget of that but it's all uh you know no floats or anything but it's all like the students organizations each had a number that they performed and it was like for the um you know it was, it, it was just like for the like the pep rally or whatever uh like and then they had like the marching band and cheerleaders and all that but the lgbt student organization because the gays do everything best uh we always right. pulled out all the stops one year we did rocky horror and uh i um i've already done the rocky horror episode of this show but i you know i was in rocky horror i've been doing rocky horror for like well over 15 years now 
Um, but unfortunately, one of my boobs was not quite secure. Nobody saw a nipple, but they thought they did. And that was, uh, that might have been what got us disqualified, uh, but whatever. That's Whoops. their problem. I'm whatever. sorry. We won our hearts, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Didn't we get second place, though? <laughs> I think so. I, mm, or were we actually I disqualified? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we were actually de I remember we being, man. I remember there being some like heavy irritation within the group about it, but I don't remember oh, yeah. the specifics of what, I mean, I remember the nipple part, mm -hmm. but for the lack thereof. Uh, yeah, there was no nipple. We had it on tape. It was just bouncy. It was like, and also, um, unfortunately, I'm a, a little uneven, okay, like most women, um, you know, not an NBD, uh, so righty's a little bigger, so righty wanted a little bit more attention, and that's not a crime, okay? Sure. So, no, we worked our asses off, and it was a, a fucking great show, um, and we were robbed, um, but then the time that we weren't robbed was we uh, did something to Christina Aguilera's Candyman uh, for the it was like a games themed one and we decided to do Candyland and we had this like incredible dance number to uh Miss Christina Aguilera's Candyman. It was fucking awesome. Was that after I graduated? No, I I guess we that was the year we won. Um I thought the year we I was won stressed was um the Goofy movie and Rihanna. You know, we probably won multiple times. Um but I yeah, we or at least we showed up, but I know for a fact we won for the Candyland one. Um, I was, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I definitely, yeah, we definitely won for the Candyland one. I was a uh, Princess Lollipop, I think. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. No, I, I am the brassiest lady to constantly elect to be the princess in these kinds of situations. <laughs> <laughs> Always away with words, my dear. Always away with words. It is interesting to me, like, I, I, I talk to people on this show a lot, that I feel like the younger generation is kind of just being us as far as, like, neurodivergent queers that were extremely online and wearing the big pants, like, would you, like, it's, and I never expected to just, like, accidentally age into semi-relevance, like, obviously not all of it, but, you like, it, like, have you experienced that at all? Have you, like, just, like, met younger people and then been like wait you guys are just cool doing all the stuff that i'm i was doing and getting made fun of for or it does kind of have that vibe anymore where it's just like oh mm -hmm. well at least we finally got to be cool 10 years after it didn't matter anymore but gee thanks kids yeah and good you know them. that it's it is good for them and it is just the last thing i expected honestly i'm gonna be real i i did not <laughs> i figured that that was gonna gonna get lost to the sands of time um and then they weren't gonna you know like there's not gonna be any kind of like romantic uh, romanticization uh, well, well that about that, that romantic I can't say that. Romantization? There's not going to be... Yeah, there you go. Great. We love talking. Talking's fun. I, like, talking best. is the... I Yeah, words are the best. I, I have shows where I talk all the time, <laughs> and I still haven't figured it out. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I never thought that we were going to be the culture they threw back to. Um, and, and also I've experienced this like strange phenomena of people saying things that are Gen Z slang and they're like, Oh, this is Gen Z slang. And I'm just like, I thought this is how gay people talked 15 years ago. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask what, what of the young people? Uh, just like, things like the vibes thing, you know, like, Oh, I like her vibe and shit like that. Like, I, and you know, um, just, the, the it's giving is an actual like that's a vogue like ballroom term like right. I, I don't know if they started doing the like it's giving this uh type thing until recently have the straights started doing it but like it might have been it's like when maybe when pose came out that people started saying that but like the, yeah. the it's giving is definitely a ballroom thing and now it's like kind of standard gen z slang they said like, they've recently picked up serving cunt which is unexpected <laughs> as well yeah <laughs> um but that's fine because it yeah because i i don't i don't feel gatekeepy about it as as much as i think i would because i also think that it is just a it's a symptom of the generation itself becoming a lot more queer it is a much more queer generation that's uh underneath us uh, and enough. that's so it's like 
yeah, it's 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 bizarre hearing that like vague appropriation floating in, but at the same time, I realize in a lot of cases it's not even appropriation anymore. Like it's because everybody is slowly like, especially the the rise of the bisexual man has been pretty lit. Uh, I, I know that it was, like, a serious lag between, uh, <laughs> like, when it was sort of, you know, because there, there's always that, like, sexualization of bisexual women, but it's only been, like, the last few years that I feel like every guy in my orbit's like, yeah, I'm bisexual, that's cool, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, thank god, because it's a lot easier to cover that up, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, because I know this because I was a bisexual person that suppressed it for, God knows how many years, and I can't imagine uh, being a bisexual man and having the, like, general, like, homophobic high school, you know, early aughts, like, oh, that's gay culture around you, and not just being like, well, I also like women, so there's no point. We, we don't have to mention the liking dick thing. It's I, not necessary. I don't have know? to deal with that problem if I don't need to, and I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah um and originally that's that's where my head was at but then i uh i went to a wicked fair and started making out with girls dressed like fairies with sparkles all over them so at um, wicked fair you don't say at, at wicked fair did you go to wicked fair no i don't okay were guys allowed to I go was... to wicked fair <laughs> Guys were allowed to go to Wicked Fair. Um, Wicked Fair, we will be talking about in a later episode. It's an interview that I've already done. But yeah, no, Wicked, Wicked Fair was in Jersey, too. It wasn't in Pennsylvania. It was at a, a hotel, uh, the, the Radisson Piscataway in oh, New Jersey. Um, it would have been a certain series of... You would have had to know a certain series of goths to know where that was, Uh that guy, the aforementioned human that taught me how to smoke weed was also <laughs> at, the, I'm pretty sure he told me where that was. We did end up dating at one point. Um, <laughs> thought I remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a whole thing. You got an entire university uh, to choose from of like actual students you could date. But of course I had to be difficult and uh, date the line cook who I love dearly. He's still a friend, uh, but Aww. like, <laughs> pretty funny I I'm so obstinate I was just like no I'm gonna date the staff um <laughs> <laughs> well if not a teacher at least hey yeah oh yeah well at least it was yeah no that would have been uh not cool um but I I'm pretty sure you didn't uh, say one of your teachers could have been one of the others true um still that's <laughs> it's still considered a faux pas of sorts students dating the teachers thing unfortunately it is also uh to a certain degree hot as long as it's consensual but like we leave these things in the realm of fantasy oh <laughs> and then uh before we get all you know what that that is the uh, a, i'm not gonna call it a great segue because it was stumbling and confusing and vaguely advocating for <laughs> Something that's no. not cool. Uh, no, not advocating for it at all. Like I said, it's a role play fantasy. Don't not real though. Don't do that. Um, but one thing that was really interesting looking back at me in college is that I was very, very out about being a BDSM person. Like I would yeah. not shut up about that in class uh, or anywhere. Really, I was, j and and now I'm not as much unless somebody interviews me about it. Um, but yeah, like, do you, do you remember me? Like, I mean, like I, I am, but it's not like, it's not my personality anymore. You yeah. know, I used, <laughs> that used to be my whole thing. Like this is what sets me apart. I'm queer and I am also into hitting people. <laughs> um, I, like, I think I might have even had, like, a workshop. Like, did, did you, like, go to the, I, I think I had a BDSM workshop? Yeah, I, like, I was going to make the joke that you were my, like, intro course in the sense that, like, yeah. you were by far and away, like, where I learned any most of what I knew at the time from. But, yes, uh -huh. you actually did have a little workshop in it that we did in, was it in, like, one of the conference rooms in one of the dorms? I I remember it being a classroom. It was in a it was in a classroom of some kind. Um, I'm so glad that you were there because that feels like a weird nightmare I had. But like <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't. Well, no, not not a, not a nightmare in the sense that it is a bad memory. It is a very positive memory, but nightmare in the sense that I. Uh, 
am in front of a class at my college talking about my sex life. So that's like the kind of thing that your subconscious would make up to stress you out. Right. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you just go in with bells on and say, ta-da. Yeah, that's me. This is BDSM. Look at look at this. I'm going to explain it to everybody. Um, I'm curious how many people's uh, sexual identities I awake as I, it was a full room, too. Yeah um ever like there there was a solid like 20 something people there um and then there were a couple of people like i remember being like oh it's really cool i never get to talk about this stuff i'm a sub blah, blah, blah. um it's and i was so out about it i uh, and like the, the offshoot of that was um I mean, because my involvement in BDSM started in Westchester because I took uh, an investigative writing class called the work experience, like it was like something about like the investigative work experience or something. And there, it was Seth Kahn, it was Professor Seth Kahn's uh, oh, wow. class. And he, his deal was that like, you had to follow an occupation around for a semester and write about it. Um, and I, and again, as a joke, uh, like bringing it full circle, just me being a smart aleck in class will just like cause all kinds of fucking chaos in my life. Um, I was like, can I go to the BDSM store on South street? And he's like, yeah, that would be a great idea. And I was like, oh, damn it. Crap. <laughs> so now I have to do this. And then that is how I became heavily involved in <laughs> various bdsm communities and made it my whole personality and never shut up about it in college for a, the entirety of college because that was like my semester like i think that was like my first semester of my freshman year that i had that course it was a creative writing class and it was randomly assigned to me and i was just like oh yeah now I, I work at the bdsm store now and then that turned into a whole fucking arc that like impacted the rest of my life um, and then several other people's lives because I awakened that in them somehow. Like, I just... <laughs> do I... Not to, like, jump on a tangent, but do I remember you yeah. boothing for Passionel at Oticon? I did. Oh, I did. And I'm sure that there's going to be a Passionel episode. I'm going to have to, like, probably interview my old boss or one of my old co-workers or something. And so, like, yeah, between the whole like BDSM arc starting there and Nocturne and like so many other things. It's just like they, <laughs> I just had so like a college is awesome, man. Person, you know, I it was like for a, everything and it's called college. It, and it's called college. Oh yeah. No, that, what that actual, that, that weird little segue was me trying to remember something else I wanted to. Oh yeah. Cause like the, um, the first semester I was assigned that creative writing class that, you know, ended up changing the entire course of my life. But then I was also randomly assigned um, gender studies class as a gen ed that ended up changing the entire course of my life because I ended up switching my fucking major to that, you know? Same. Um, well, technically yeah. but same. Yeah, yeah. So were you a major? Were you a uh, minor, double degree? I was, well, I was originally a psych because everybody was psych when they started. Um, mm -hmm. But was originally poli-sci, Took one of the like random intro courses with God, I think I had intro with Robin. What the hell was her last name? I don't remember. Oh, right. Oh, I had Jen Bacon, Bacon, but Jen Bacon I had I later. Love her. Yeah. Miss her. Um love her. So I ended up like taking a couple of courses and enjoying them. So I'm like, all right, I'll pick up the minor. And then just eventually for an extra semester's worth of time, I could dual major. So it's like, screw it. What am I doing with that now? Ha! But whatever. <laughs> it was, <laughs> like you said, it well, very much impacted who I've become, though. Yeah, and honestly, I think that in the grand scheme of things, I talk to people about this all the time. I am so glad I graduated with a degree in gender studies in 2011 because the following historical zeitgeist, I was prepared. Yep. I knew everything as like, uh, <laughs> not everything, everything, huh. but like, damn, did I not sound like an asshole during a period where many people, even if they were good people, sounded like an asshole due to a learning curve, you know? I have um, never thought of it that way, but that's dead on and hey, go us. Yeah, no, go us. We were ahead of our time. 
Um, so speaking of time, we are about rolling up on the end of time. Uh, not, not uh, well, yes, maybe in history, the doomsday clock is cl- uh, ticking wow. faster, but also we, uh, have over an hour of audio recorded on this podcast to whittle down. Um, but I would like to end this. Um, do you have any memories of me that you think I might have forgotten or anything popping to the top of your head? <laughs> That you've forgotten? Oh, God. That I might have forgotten or, like, that you, like, that just, like, stick out for you. But, like, sometimes I'll ask people, like, do you, like, is there something where I might have been, like, high enough that I don't remember or? (laughs) Well, there was, I had mentioned this a little while back, but the last time I think I saw you was you were performing one night. And Mm -hmm. it was me and Shireen came to see you were, at the time, living with a rabbi, a sheep shearer, and... You mentioned what the third one was. A tall ship sailor. And this is what would have been after I graduated. But you came to see me perform. Where where, where was I? It was somewhere in Philly. I want to say, like, not the neighborhood, but a little, like, between there and South Street, I think. Maybe it was Taboo. Um, honestly, I'm... like, that, that period of time, it might have been Taboo. Um, but it also could have been any fucking random bar. Um, but yes, that's a, that is a great, uh, foreshadowing. There was, in fact, a period of time in my life where I was living in a house with a rabbi, a sheep shearer, and a tall ship sailor that also had an office job. And I, uh, was at the time either in grad school, I think I was in grad school for HR doing stand-up and possibly still working at the sex shop like we really that that was a a busy house as far as like life ambitions and what people wanted to do was um (laughs) it is to this day one of my favorite memories of you though because it was it had been a minute since we'd seen each other and you tell us this and i just remember looking and go yeah of course you are this is completely on brand (laughs) (laughs) anyone Uh, else who sound peculiar or out of out of the realm with you yeah Mm -hmm. no definitely yep Yep, yep. No, if there's one thing that I have always been, it's like that meme that's like no one colon blank and then me, literally any detail about my life. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> it's like always intentionally chaotic, even in times when nobody would ever request that from me. All right. Well, it has been great having you on. Um, thank you so much, Matt. Absolutely. I am been, a blast. I had a great time catching up. This was fun. All right. Peace. Yep.